0: All right, good morning. So uh, we've been doing, if you're if you're new here, let me just catch up very quickly. We've been in a series called Open Mic. And what Open Mic is all about is me as a pastor saying that God doesn't just want to speak through me. How many of you are glad that he has a lot of different people speaking with a lot of different voices saying the same thing? Anybody else love that? I love that Because, like, if I hear the same voice over and over and over again, I just— Start tuning it out. I don't know if that's how you are or not, but that's kind of how I am. So I love it when God allows other people to share. He puts things on their hearts. And so Open Mic is really about you having the opportunity to share your story. Um, We've had, I was telling Wendy last Sunday, second service, like if if this doesn't prove that we have a diverse population as a church, nothing does. Because we started the last, the second service last week, we started it with rap, and then we ended it with Southern Gospel what? So I was really comfortable at the beginning. And then at the end, it was like Southern Gospel. Huh. But no, it's good. I mean, it's it, how many of you like Southern Gospel? It's good. I, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. It's all good. I'm kidding. It really is good. And it was awesome. I mean, so there's so many different ways for the Lord to share with us what he's doing in his church. Um, we were joking but between it, during the intermission. What's funny about our church is we're like one big happy family that sits in the living room every Sunday and doesn't know each other. Have you noticed that? Like I, can't, like I kept saying, like, if you come up and share your testimony, make sure you introduce yourself, like first and last name, right? Because we think everybody knows us, but like people don't really, we don't. So it's crazy how we're always together every Sunday and it's just so fun in here, and so authentic, and so relational. And yet, like if we polled everybody and said, "Tell me five people's names," you'd be like, "Uh, I can tell you my family's name, right? That's it." So this is also a chance for you to hear one another's stories. One of the most here's a, a quick illustration about how powerful stories are, and then I'll turn the mic over to April, who's going to come first. We've got uh, three this morning that are going to share, and then and I'll wrap it up. I'll give you the chance to share as well if you if you want to before I wrap that up. But I am a by marriage a South Carolina Gamecocks fan. Wow. Some of y'all apparently don't have a wife as awesome as mine. So, um I didn't I wasn't a Gamecock fan when I when I met Wendy, but I am now. A, a, I'm a Gamecocks fan. I like other teams too, but I love the Gamecocks. And the Gamecocks have traditionally not been good, but they've had a few coaches that were okay, but traditionally yeah and so they hired this guy his name you probably have never heard of him he's like an up-and-coming coach struggling coach named Lou Holtz and his first season there I want to say that they were they winless was it zero and something or one and something but it was not good at all and then the next season like it just totally flipped around and, and so when that happens in college sports, you get interviewed all the time. Like, what was your secret? What would you do? Because coaches are trying to figure out how to flip their programs as well. And here's what Lou Holtz said. He said, you know, when I got here, I noticed that we didn't really know each other. And so I started doing something during spring training that um, had nothing to do with football. i like, what was it? He said, well, in the cafeteria every day at lunch, I would turn to one person on the team and hand them a microphone and say, stand up and tell us your story. And he said, as that went on during the training, during the camp, the more people shared their story, they started to bond and get tight. And he said, so when the season started, we were not a football team. We were a family. And we went to fight for and with one another every time we stepped on the field. Listen, that's what's happening this series. You're sharing your story And people are getting to know you. And that can be a little bit intimidating. But, man, here's what, in the end, we're just fighting for and with each other for the kingdom. And there's a fight. Am I right? Have you noticed that? There's a fight, which is why Revelation 12 says that they overcame him with the blood of the Lamb. And what was it? The word of their testimony. And so what we're doing is this is actually a weapon of warfare is sharing your story. And so to those of you that are coming this morning... I just have these encouraging words to say. Hold the microphone near your mouth, not your belly button. Don't be this person, right? Hold it up here. Man, speak with confidence and share with us what the Lord has put on your heart. All right, so April's coming first. Big gathering. Welcome for April. Sorry. Yeah. What do you want? Just Are you singing? Staying. No. You want to stand? I in? just want to okay, stand. I got you. Tell us. Fix it. So it's good. See, that way
1: I don't have to worry about holding it down like to my belly button. <laughs> is that good? <laughs> yep. That'll. Okay. <laughs> All right. Can everybody hear me? Yes. Okay, good. My name is April Danningberg. My husband's name is Mark Danningberg. A lot of you don't know us very well because we work a lot of weekends. Um, I've had, we've attended the congregation for about three and a half years. I have three wonderful children, I have three wonderful stepchildren, and I'm a grandmother of three between the two of us. I can't express enough how much family means to me, and it's amazing you were talking about family because that's what my story's about, having family. I was raised from age 3 to 24, one of Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, This is not a religion. It's a lifestyle and what I call an occult. They're not bad people. They're actually some really wonderful people. Um, They're just kind of off track. They all believe exactly the same way. They also believe they are the only true chosen ones of God. It's against their beliefs to socialize outside of their people, nor are you allowed to study outside uh, their publications of any religion, beliefs, of anything, which comes from the Watchtower and Bible Tract Society in New York City. When I was around 23, I was considered a pioneer, which means I put 25 to 30 hours in per week knocking on doors trying to convert you to becoming one of Jehovah's Witnesses. I also had eight Bible studies per month that I had knocked on their doors and talked to them every week. This is what we did every day. Most evenings, we attended the Kingdom Hall, which is what they call their church. I picked up a King James Bible at some point in that year, during this time, I started comparing it to the New World Translation that I had been studying all my life, which is very similar, but not quite. Some of the wording was changed, which changed the whole meaning of a scripture, such as a very simple scripture, John 1.1, 1, 1, which says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God and the Word was God. The New World Translation, uh, which is put out by the Watchtower and Bible Tract Society, says, and I quote, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. Little a, little g. So this changed the entire meaning of that scripture. I started finding more and more scriptures that were worded differently, changing the meaning of the truth and of what I had learned my entire life and what I was teaching others every day. And I'm going to read to you 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 22. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. So this tells us to test everything. And even in their Bible, it says, Make sure of all things. So I did just that, Um, but I also believe God was showing me the way, not at that time, but I knew in my heart something wasn't right. I was teaching people things that I was starting to uh, question. I decided after about a year of studying, questioning, uh, getting put in front of elders Um, being reprimanded for something that I really wasn't believing in anymore. I decided to take my three-year-old daughter and leave after no one would listen to my arguments and what I had learned. I left my entire family and left them behind. And I'm sure many of you have lost family along the way. But it was just me and my daughter. That's it. I didn't want her to be raised this way, so I decided to leave. I also knew taking her from them would mean going through a lot more, a lot more than I even expected to go through. See, they believed if she wasn't raised as one of Jehovah's Witnesses, she would die with no hope, and she would be lost forever. So after that, I went through four years of custody battle in court, In a state I didn't even live in, she was taken away from me for nine months. Being slaughtered, or slandered, sorry, I wasn't slaughtered, I was slandered, (laughs) by my family, I felt like I was being slaughtered, Um, people I've known all my life, a father that I loved dearly, was not on my side anymore. I even felt I was doing wrong at times because I was doing the opposite of things I was taught all my life. Until one day after four years of custody court, I was awarded full physical custody in front of my family, and the whole congregation was in that courtroom. That was victory. That's when I knew God was on my side. I walked out of that courtroom with my head Held high, knowing God was on my side. I know I was led out by the Lord. There's no doubt in my heart. I'm not always followed the right course. I've veered off quite a few times. I've stayed the course of being with the Lord. But I can tell you from great experience that God has never left me. Not only has he always been there, he was actually carrying me. The point of this small portion of my testimony, which is an extremely small portion, (laughs) is to ask questions. If you don't understand, ask God for direction. God may even be the one prompting these questions. And no matter the situation we may find ourselves in, In this quest for life, if anybody is in the Bible study quest for life, it is awesome. Even if everyone we know seems to be against us, our Lord will never leave us. Just as he promises in Deuteronomy 31.6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord, your God, goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. If you are not plugged into a C group, it's extremely important. Like I said, you don't see us very much on weekends, but we're we're off during the week, and we are there every week. Those people have become our family and very important to us. So please do so. Thanks.
0: Man, thank you. That's so good. I kept thinking while you were talking about the value of truth, you know. And just you, and I'm not building you up at all, but, man, could you feel when she would read Scripture, did you feel the conviction in her heart and her spirit when she read that? That is the kind of conviction you only have when you're willing to search for truth. Um, man, thank you so much. Thank you so much. How many of you were encouraged by that? Man alive, that was so so good. Hmm. There's also a cost to truth, and you express that so well. I wonder if anybody is here this morning and you feel that right now, and like you know that God's calling you to something, and you just are experiencing the cost side of it. Like, oh man, it's going to cost me something to pursue this, but Jesus, you're worth it, you're worth more. Um, can I pray for you if that's you right now, Father in your name Jesus? I thank you for April. I thank you um man a, a testament that just says you will go to the to any length. got think about that song the the reckless love of God, you will pursue us, God, and you pursued her, you saved her. thank you for that, Lord. for those that are in the room right now that um we're encouraged by her conviction, we're encouraged by her story, and yet we know that we're in the middle of that story. we're still pursuing your truth, and we still are seeing the cost of it, I just pray that, God, you would encourage us that you're worth it. You are worth it. And I love what she said. You're on our side. You fight for us. And I pray that that would become reality, Lord, for so many in the room this morning. In your name, Jesus, amen. Uh, one more. Josh, you coming? This is Josh. I beg of Josh, a big hand as he comes.
2: of you that don't know me my name is Josh Smith Um, I've attended here since about 2012 and uh, Paul was my youth pastor growing up and just a lot of connections to uh, the body of people that are here and I'm just going to preface this by saying that uh, about I guess two weeks ago when we started an open mic I really wanted to share this but it just it wasn't the time for it and now I'm going to thank Chase for what he shared about his struggle with pornography because I think that's every guy's struggle you know um, Clayton King one time said that uh, 99% of men struggle with pornography, the other 1% are lying, and I think that's really true in some ways. Um, but while Chase spoke about that, um, I wanted to share something that I struggled with, uh, really for about the past 10 years of my life with transparency, and that is in the area of finance. Um, as, a, as a young person, I've always been very entrepreneurial. I've always wanted to have strong business, generate money, be generous. Um, provide for my family. I and mean, that's the American dream. I don't think we could really argue about that one way or another. And um, about 10 years ago, uh, God kind of opened up some doors for me to just start taking care of a few people's lawns. And, you know, I was like, you know, hey, this can really be a great thing. And I was making money. But one thing that I noticed in the process of all that was that um, I just wanted more. I became very impulsive. And as time went on, I noticed that I could get a hold of a lot of cheap credit. Uh, right now, interest rates, as you guys know, are incredibly low. You can get a mortgage for 2 or 3%. While that's good in some ways, because it does cost you a lot of interest, it can really get you off on a, on a road that can make you think that I can handle all the payments, I can pay everything, and there's really not going to be any repercussions. And i got to tell you, that's not true. Uh, in Proverbs 22.7, it says that the borrower is slave to the lender. That's, it's really become the American dream to have debt. I don't know where we got off with that. Uh, I certainly I drink that Kool-Aid, and I drink about a gallon of it, and I'm trying to get it out of my system right now. But currently, the United States has $1.3 trillion of car loans in excess. We have $930 billion in credit card debt, and our United States government is $20 trillion in debt to creditors. That's That's shocking. I say all that to really drive home the point that in my road of impulsivity and in the excesses to try to get more and to have a a thriving business, I literally leveraged my business to the point where I I think when I really broke down the balance sheet, I was $150,000 in debt. No joke. I'm just being as transparent and as honest with you as I can be. And I knew it all along. I kept it a, a, a big secret from my wife and the rest of my family. You know, everybody's like, man, you know, you're doing great. And I'm like, yeah. And, but on the inside, I'm like, I'm not. Like, if you only could see what flows into my bank account every month and just to watch it flow right out to creditors. And I, I guess God and his, just his grace, because that's all that it was, Kept bringing um, Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University just back into my life just consistently and consistently. My wife would mention it. Some of her friends had mentioned it. And I'm like, who is this Dave Ramsey guy? And so one day as I'm making my lessons in school for my next class, I just clicked on YouTube and I just put up Dave Ramsey. And Ramsey was talking about how debt is one of those types of things that it's going to take from you. It doesn't add to your life. It takes from you. It's going to sacrifice your family. It's going to probably sacrifice your marriage because, as we all know, the number one cause of divorce in the United States is finances. It really is. And so as I started listening to him, he was just going on and on. And then he got into his testimony with a, with a, a caller that had called into a show. And he was explaining how, I think when he was 24, 25, that he had a uh, million-dollar net worth, which made, made him a millionaire in his mid-20s. But the problem was, he had $4 million worth of real estate leveraged by $3 million of debt. I mean, you're, you're hanging under a consistent knife that could fall on you at any time and in your financial existence, and it did. All of his loans got called in. If you guys remember back in the 1980s, you had that big you know, savings and loan crisis, and that, that hit him like a ton of bricks. He fought three years to get out from under all that debt, and in the end, he had to claim bankruptcy. And at that moment, I mean, I was scared to death because, you know, all of my financial existence was on the fact that I could keep contracts, I could keep people happy with the services I was providing, and and I was just, every year, it was like I was buying stuff just to buy stuff and to buy stuff, and, and all along, and I'm just like, why? Like, I've got stuff I'm not even using, and, you know, I'm just, I'm killing myself. I'm working 80-hour weeks, and my family's suffering because I'm not with them. My wife is bearing all the, the brunt of taking care of the kids. I mean, she's working 12-hour shifts at night, coming home and trying to keep up a decent home, and here I'm off working like a dog. I mean, you know, at the time, I thought I'm doing something honorable, but then I'm realizing I'm just sacrificing my family. And if you're a man, you better work. You better work hard, but you got to take care of your family. And I think at that point, I just said, okay, enough is enough. And, I mean, it was like in my mind, the jackhammers of just chopping away at the dead of my life began and I had people call me and say hey man you want to buy this I'm like no go away don't even want to talk to you go away <laughs> um, and, and, I, and I'm going to say this too uh, I lost a lot of friends there, there are people that I had developed business relationships with that are really not my friends today because I'm not buying stuff from them anymore that's okay you know I, I've got a family that needs my help more than that and I you know I say all that to everybody today to, to, to look at your finances and really don't deceive yourself by putting yourself under that, that figurative falling knife. Because, you know, there's not a literal one there. But, you know, at, at any given time, if you're not careful, you can find yourself on the really wrong end of a situation where you can not only put yourself in jeopardy, you put your family in jeopardy. And I, I came to a point where I'm like, my family's not worth that. In saying all of that to you, um, I've become just a massive believer in Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. If you guys can ever get a chance to go through that, you know, Ramsey offers several simple, as he calls them, baby steps to getting financially free and leaving a legacy for your family. Um, in all of this, the one thing about transparency that hit hard was that I kept trying to do all this without my wife's knowledge of it. You know, I was like, I can do it. I can work hard. and And I was. I mean, Um, I think from the time that I realized how bad off my balance sheet was, I started just chopping down thousands of dollars in debt and just paying stuff off as fast as I could. But when Chase was talking, you know, a few weeks ago, I think he brought up how he and Anya just, they had to be brutally honest with each other about what was going on in his life. And, you know, one day I'm just like, I got to tell, I got to tell my wife, because I think she knew that I was in debt, but she didn't really know how bad, and, um, I just came out and told her, and I think you know her eyes got about as wide as silver dollars, but she didn't lose it. You know, she was like, "Okay, you know, we can do this." And um, I think that was the best thing ever, is because I just felt like a weight was lifted off my back because it's not just me pulling the weight anymore. I know I've got somebody that believes in me and that you know they're they're in my corner per se, fighting the battle with me. And so, uh, currently today, um, I'm in that process now of, of knocking down debt. We're, we're really trying our hardest to get things back in order and run a business like it should be you know not frivolously and you know impulsively um and I'm just I'm thankful that God in in his good mercy um has let me learn this lesson quickly because I think if if it had been any other time I'd have probably lost a lot Uh, I've got a long way to go not gonna lie if you know if you guys were in that boat with me right now and you haven't you haven't really owned up to it you need to um change the way that you live, you know, having stuff is not worth it, you know, I think having stuff is just a byproduct of, you know, the good that we do, um, the smart and intelligent decisions that we make, which a lot of times I fail to make, um, and I just hope you guys, if you're in that boat, that you'll seek out that help, and that you won't put it off, because, you know, debt's like a snowball, man, I mean, it, it grows, and it grows, And before long, you're like, "Oh my gosh, how do I get here? Or how did I get here?" But the good news is is that you can get out of it. It, You really, really can. God is not, um, God's you know so able to get you to the right places where you need to be if you're willing to trust Him, be disciplined, and just live that life that He's called you to. So, um, I hope this helps. You know, I just I'm sharing just from my heart with you guys because um, I think we need to know what our struggles are and. To kind of be able to learn from somebody else's mistakes before we have to learn those mistakes the hard way. So, love you guys. Thank you.
0: That's good. That's good. So let's let's um end this a couple a couple with a couple things. Number one, if you're here and you're married and you have secrets from your spouse, this might I that's what I kept hearing too. There's such um I mean, God's not about that. Talk to your spouse, right? Especially things that impact both of you. Man, do this together. This is why you're married, this is why you have a teammate share that with them and let them be a part of not just the struggle but the victory as well the scripture that went through my mind josh as you were sharing was philippians 4 11 through 13 paul writes this i'm not saying this because i'm in need he had just asked him to give him money for what i for i have learned to be content whatever the circumstances i know what it is to be in need and i know what it is to have plenty I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. That's the verse that gets pulled out and made into plaques and T-shirts and coffee mugs, but it's tied to being content in all circumstances. And and I will say this in, in our lives and I think in, in the American church, just in America in general, it's... I don't have enough. I just need more. And it's this lack of contentment that drives us to do things, purchase things, whatever. And that's what we need to learn, the secret of being content. And if we don't learn that, then we're going to max ourselves out. Um, I'm not going to say honestly as as a leadership of this church, before we ever even talked about a building because that was never even on a radar, the most important conversations went like this. Do we have to have a building? Can we, can we be content without that? Is that, is that going to feed some need in us? And I think these are the conversations that we have to have. So I'd love to pray over us. Uh, Josh, you took a huge step sharing that, um, and I appreciate it. We appreciate you being honest and transparent. And so maybe you're here and you're struggling with that, with contentment. In any circumstance. And here's the thing. It's not like I mean to be content when I don't have anything. What Paul just said was when he had a lot, he was still content because his contentment was in Christ, in Christ only. Um, I'm not going to take the time to read to you what I brought. I'll do that in the 11 o'clock service if we have time. But you just promise me that you'll watch my open mic online is that we do that because it speaks directly to what josh just shared and to contentment in christ as you move along the journey so if you're here this morning and you struggle in that area you want more contentment would you just raise your hand and say that's me um josh you see all those hands that's why you shared um and let's just pray this morning as we're leaving father in your name jesus we thank you for contentment i pray specifically god this morning for josh the hardest place to be content is when you're trying to get out of the place that you weren't supposed to be anyway, because honestly, Lord, we want to get out now, because we're so aware of where we shouldn't be, and we want to fix the problem immediately, and so I just pray that contentment that we read about, I pray that over Josh and over his family, God, over his situation, over those of us in this room that are in are in a place financially where Quite honestly, we're working ourselves to death to get out of situations. We're not even trusting you. We're still trusting ourselves to work hard enough to get out of the mess we made. And so I just speak contentment into those situations that we would rest in you. Work hard, do our best, absolutely, but trust you to give us the strength to do all things. And so more than anything, I pray that we would have an overabundance of you, man, that you would pour your presence out on us, that you would bless us with strength, that we would make the time and take the time to be with you before we ever head out the door to work hard, and that we would trust that that time with you was way more valuable than any other time, and that it would carry us, God, in all the things that we do. God, I thank you for April, I thank you for Chris, I thank you for Josh, I thank you for, the, for their willingness to share with us this morning, just a part of their lives, a part of their journey with you, and we just pray protection over them, we pray that you would fill them, God, with your peace, we've got their backs this week as they go through life, we're going to pray for them as you bring them to our minds, God, I thank you that Satan is defeated in their lives, and we just... Pray that victory over them. Bless us as we go, God. Give us a fantastic day. Thank you for loving us and for filling us with hope and confidence to go out and fight our foe. We overcome with the blood of the Lamb and the word of these testimonies. And we thank you for it in your name, Jesus. Somebody say amen. 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 You guys have a fantastic week.